You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 649 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I'm your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live from an undisclosed location. I'm in a hotel room, so hopefully it sounds okay to everybody. I'm on the road this weekend, as I said yesterday on the podcast, and if you're a new listener, this is not what I normally sound like, but hopefully it will be okay um, after what became a pretty interesting game in some respects for the Hawks. They lost by a final score of 106-97 at the hands of the Miami Heat, and of course, we'll spend most of the podcast talking about that game, but before we get started on the game recap portion of the show... There is one thing that I wanted to at least reference at the top, and that's the fact that Sarah Spencer of the AJC confirmed a leaked photo of the uh, Hawks City jerseys for this season. And it's uh, basically, in short, has the uh, jerseys have Peachtree on the front of them, and that prompted a lot of jokes and a lot of recognitions from people that uh, like myself that work at peachtroops.com. I'm the editor-in-chief or, or something like that, managing editor, however, however you want to say that, of that website. And because it has Peachtree in the title, I grew up in Atlanta, Peachtree Hoops, et cetera, et cetera. That was kind of funny, and I wanted to at least reference it at the top of the podcast. Um, nothing nothing necessarily uh, associated with peachtreehoops.com necessarily, but it's kind of funny, and I thought it was interesting to open up the show. But regardless... Um, leading up to the game on Thursday, there were some interesting storylines. Obviously, Trey Young not playing was perhaps the biggest of them. Um, you know, Young missing this game was not unexpected. He had been ruled out for this game on Wednesday, so no surprises were coming down there on the Hawks side of things. But still, without him, um, worth noting. Also, um, Lloyd Pierce reportedly said, according to Kyle Chenard of Hawks.com, that the Hawks had an actual practice on Thursday morning, not just a shoot-around, which is pretty interesting. Normally, on, on the day of a game, you're going to be very, very light in the work that you do on the court, but apparently the Hawks wanted to go through a relatively full workout, and uh, Pierce actually said to Sarah Spencer of the AJC, quote, if they're burnout, blame me, end quote. It's a little bit interesting to note, because the Hawks do have four days off after today's game, that it makes a little bit more sense, but they want to get on the same page, apparently, and just have more work without Trey Young, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess the thinking there would be that you want to have cohesion um, over worrying about too much rest early in the season. But um, on the third game in four nights, it's kind of interesting, to say the least. Um, last thing before we get to the actual game itself was that a couple of it's just housekeeping notes on the on the roster itself. Kevin Herter was up to 25 minutes in terms of his minutes limit in this game. That's higher than the 20 that he was at Previously, uh, Lloyd Pierce declined to name a starting lineup early on at shoot-around slash practice, but Cam Reddish was the de facto point guard in this game. That's the one thing that um, Pierce did say before the contest began. He, he waited all the way until se- uh, 6.30, I should say, to anoint Kevin Herter for his first start of the season at the shooting guard spot. Um, Kevin Chenard of Hawks.com made a good point to me on Twitter that uh, you kind of are who you guard, and as a result of that, Reddish was guarding um, Kendrick Nunn, who was the starting point guard for the Heat in this game, so that kind of makes him the point guard in some respects. Uh, I it's, it's worth emphasizing in a, in a lot of ways that, yes, Reddish had the ball in his hands quite a bit, but so did Kevin Herter, so did DeAndre Bembry, so did Ty Wallace. It was definitely a by-committee point guard situation in this game once you actually watched it, which was not a big surprise based on what we were anticipating coming into the game. The Hawks did call up Brandon Goodwin from College Park for insurance in, ahead of this game. He did not play at all. He was the only guy on the Hawks roster, active roster that did not play in this contest, so that's worth pointing out as well. 
Um, to the game itself, though, you know, the Hawks were six and a half point underdogs. Um, they've lost by nine points, so they actually didn't cover the spread, regardless of how you feel about that. Um, Justice, Justice Winslow was missing in this game for Miami. He's not quite Trey Young, obviously, but that's a key piece of the Heat. So they were not necessarily at full strength in their own right. Clearly, the uh, injury advantage went to Miami, but not quite as severely as you would have maybe thought before realizing that Winslow was out of the lineup for Miami. Early on in the game, uh, Cam Reddish missed his first two shots, went off the line twice. I thought he was pretty aggressive from the outset. Had some nice help defense as well in the early moments. Alex Len got off the schneid with uh, his first three in a while, bearing that uh, on, his first, on his first catch-and-shoot opportunity in the first quarter. That was nice to see after, after a few rough shooting nights, but even though Len didn't do too much in this game, but he started off with a bang. Uh, pretty ugly basketball early on on both, on, both, on both ends of the floor, honestly. That was a theme for much of the night, I will say. Not all night, but much of the night was just the ugliness of what happened in this game. There were some early minutes with John Collins at the five, which I thought was noteworthy. He had another big-time block at the rim. In fact, he became the first player since Al Horford to block a shot, um, for the Hawks, I should say, um, to block a shot in each of the first five games. Uh, Collins has been much, much more active defensively, as we've been talking about the last week or so. But uh, in this game, he had three blocks, and it didn't feel like a fluke. So we'll come back to that later on. But I definitely wanted to note that. He was the guy, clearly, though, that Miami keyed on guarding in this game, which makes sense. He was the number one option for the Hawks in terms of just pure scoring in this contest, and Miami wanted to take him away, clearly, in this game. There was an interesting lineup that came out of a timeout early on. With uh, They came out of the lineup with Bembry, Ty Wallace, DeAndre Hunter, Vince Carter, and Jamari Parker at the five. It didn't last very long, about 90 seconds, but uh, that was kind of crazy to see that lineup even deployed for even a minute. Uh, Bruno Fernando came in after that for his only stand of the night, actually. A lot of switching going on for the Hawks really throughout the game, especially with that smaller lineup. Then there was the big swing from, from Miami with a 17-1 to run to go up by 10 at 25-15. The Heat made seven straight shots, and from that point forward, the Hawks, never, the Hawks actually never trailed. Uh, never led again, I should say, um, because Miami kind of took control. There were close moments, though. But the Hawks did not have a single field goal for you know more than five minutes of real clock time, almost six minutes, about five minutes and 51 seconds of clock time without a single field goal. That will put you in a bad spot, obviously. The Hawks showed by many, as many as 11 points in the first quarter. Worth noting, though, that they did get back within four where they flourished at the end of the period with a DeAndre Bembry dunk off of an absolutely gorgeous block plus and then a long-distance long pass from Reddish. A really nice play from the rookie there to get the block and then have a beautiful outlet to Bembry for what, what became a pretty big dunk. Only two turnovers in the first quarter, which was helpful for this Hawks team to kind of save the offense defensively. Um, the Hawks didn't play all that well early on in this game, but they definitely settled into um, some degree later on at times. The second quarter was uh, st- started off with some ugly moments there. Lloyd Pierce called timeout about a minute into the second quarter after Miami got an offensive rebound, and Tyler Hero hit a three. He was seemingly angry with the defense, I should say, because they let Hero get loose twice on that on that play, or at least within that, within that single sequence, and he was not very pleased with that. In fact, Miami opened the quarter with a 7-0 run. The Hawks did not score in the first three-plus minutes of the, of the second quarter after that uh, nice flourish at the end of the first quarter. They battled, they, battled back, they battled back a little bit behind Jabari Parker, who had a nice, strong performance offensively in this game. There was a noteworthy play when Reddish had a crazy whirling dervish kind of thing that ended up in an air ball with a kind of a crazy spin move. If you watched this game at all on Twitter, you probably saw it. If you saw the replay, you would know the play that I'm, I'm referencing. Kind of just a weird play there that I wanted to at least point out. There was another 8-0 run by Miami, by Miami to go by 15 points. They seemed to be taking full control at that point in time. Um, they 
you know, the Hawks were just in big trouble at 48 to 33. Offensive rebounds were kind of big for Miami early on as well. There was, there was a very nice coast to coast drive from Ty Wallace that I wrote, that I wrote down in my notes after Hunter generated a steal for the Hawks. Good to see Wallace playing well in the second quarter for sure. There was a successful challenge by the Heat in this game, coaches challenge that overturned a charge to a block call that would have been Ben Adebayo's third foul. That was kind of a nice turning point in some respects. But the Hawks did did have a nice run late in the second quarter with a 10 to one run to get within five. All 10 points in that run were scored by Bembry, Ty Wallace, and Damian Jones. Not exactly the three guys you would expect to lead the team in scoring during that period of time, but it it definitely happened. Um, And there you go. Bembry was very active throughout this game. I thought he was pretty ugly, actually, in the first quarter, but then from that point forward, he was pretty awesome, honestly, on both ends of the floor. The Hawks were 2 of 17 from 3 in the first half and missed 8 free throws, but were able to hold on because of the defense for the most part, and they were able to stay at least within striking distance, which was, which was nice to see. In fact, the Hawks got within 4 early on in the third quarter off of Cam Reddish's first career 3-pointer, so good good on Cam Reddish for knocking down that his first 3 um, in this in this particular game, but there was a 9-2 run by Miami to go back up by 11 points and a timeout from that point forward. They um, totally lost Kendrick Nunn, who had a huge game. In fact, he had seven points at 57 seconds. Seven points, 57 seconds for Kendrick Nunn to go up by 14. And uh, what's the league got to 16? Pierce called timeout. But, uh, you know, pretty angry defense. Uh, sorry, pretty angry with the defense was Lloyd Pierce during that stretch. Um, then there was a, Colin, a John Collins injury that ended up, I think, hopefully being okay. He turned his ankle and went straight to the locker room. But that came back fairly soon after that with a left ankle sprain for what the Hawks were calling that. He was available to return, did come back into the game. So all is uh, interesting about see how that swells up after the game, see how much that bothers him tomorrow. But the Hawks do have four days off, which is very, very helpful for that kind of injury. There was a nice stretch there from, from Parker momentarily where he had back-to-back threes to have the Hawks get back within 10. In fact, it was a 10-to-1 run by Bembry and Parker only to get back within 7 at the end of the third quarter. Uh, through three quarters, Bembry had 16 points, 9 rebounds, and 5 assists. That is pretty impressive and only 19 minutes of play in three quarters. He was just everywhere, especially in the second and third quarters. In the fourth, it was close briefly. They got, the Hawks got up to four points after a jumper by Vince Carter and some free throws by Jabari Parker and a bucket by Ty Wallace. But then a 16 four, that was, by the way, a 16 to four overall run by the Hawks to get back within four. But then from that point forward, it's basically all Miami. They scored five straight points. Then Pierce called timeout when they, when they were down by nine. Um, there was an absolutely awful pull-up mid-range jump shot from Cam Reddish that kind of just sapped the enthusiasm in a lot of respects. The Hawks didn't score for more than three minutes until a three by Kevin Herter, about six and a half minutes to go. To get back with an eight from that point forward, there were some times when you at least felt the Hawks could threaten. They kept, they they, they really never did. A three by Myers Leonard, in fact, two in a row by Myers Leonard within about a nine, nine second period to go up by twelve, and uh, then a turnover. None scored to go up by fourteen, and another turnover, a timeout. And then another turnover from the Hawks. So just a, a really, really ugly period. A 10-0 run to put the game away by Miami. The Hawks did not score for more than three minutes. And uh, that was that. There was one brief stretch where the Hawks got it back to 12 in the last three minutes of the game. But it was basically over on that 10-0 run. And uh, yeah, there you go on that. Um, you know, offensively, in this game, the Hawks, you know, the numbers were not fantastic. A 101.3 offensive rating. That's not going to impress anybody. But without Trey Young, that is not completely disastrous. A lot of that was the Hawks getting offensive rebounds. They had 16 offensive rebounds. They had a 33% offensive, re- offensive rebound rate. That is excellent. That's elite level. And that's one way the Hawks can sustain better offense without Trey Young on the floor. It's just crashing the offensive glass. So good on them for that. You know, Parker had three offensive rebounds, two each from Collins and Hunter. They were at least pretty active in that way to help make up for their rough shooting because the shooting was rough. 
41% from the floor, 21% from three, seven of 34, and they missed eight free throws as well. Only 20 assists and 16 turnovers. That's, that's a bad ratio. Um, not terribly unexpected without Trey Young, but still. So the only way that the Hawks were really able to get on the board in this game was kind of bludgeoning at the rim. Everything else wasn't really going down. The shooting, you know, part of that is not having great looks generated by Trey Young, but part of that is just also just missing shots. In fact, the entire bench, uh, Parker made two threes, but um, combined with Carter, Wallace, and Bembry, I, I believe they went two for 12 from three, which means the starters went five for 22 from three. There's just no real bright spots there. In fact, John Collins and Parker were the only ones that had two threes each, and that's not where you want your threes to come from necessarily in this game. So the shooting was rough. Uh, defensively, the Hawks were okay. They battled. There were some moments where it was kind of ugly, but a 110 offensive, uh, offensive rating from Miami is not devastating. It's better than you would want if you were the Hawks. You know, it's a situation where they were able to get some stops, puts and switching lineups on the court. And again, without Trey Young, they have every, every reason to be better defensively in some respects, but it's harder to defend when you can't score because that, that generates fast breaks and opportunities, advantage, advantage opportunities for the, for the uh, opposing offense. So uh, it's kind of chicken and the egg thing there. The defense can be better on its own without Trey Young because they're playing bigger and better defenders. But if, you're not, if you aren't scoring, it hurts, it hurts your offense. So I mean, Sorry, it hurts your defense. So a lot of back and forth there, but still the Hawks had a 110 defensive rating. That's not exactly great. It's not terrible, 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 but not great either. And the Hawks, you know, that's how you lose by nine points. You just kind of, you're kind of below average both into the floor, and that's what happened in this game. So um, there's plenty to, more to talk about with the individual players in this contest. We're going to do that in a second. But before we get to that, I want to talk to you about the good folks at mybookie.ag. One of my favorite parts of the year is upon us with sweater weather, leaves on the ground, and threes from downtown. For some, it just means fall is here, but for others like myself, it means basketball is in full swing. The NBA is already rolling. College basketball opens next week, and there's no better way to feel a part of the action than to have a stick in the game with mybookie.ag. Either way, if you're going to be betting this season, do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. College Poops provides more games than any other sport, and from Cassius Winston and Michigan State to freshman pack teams like Duke and Kentucky, there is value to be found. Use your basketball knowledge to prove you have what it takes at mybookie.ag, where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid. If you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word, that's LOCKEDONNBA. MyBookie will double your first deposit with LOCKEDONNBA as the promo code. Visit mybookie.ag to dot ag today you play you win and you get paid all right and we're back to talk about the uh, players and the individual efforts in this contest it was an up and down game for a lot of guys there are a couple of standouts and they actually came from the bench so we'll start on the bench like we always do on the podcast and uh, first things first the three guys who really really supporting pieces in this game Bruno Fernando only played four minutes that was interesting to me you know Damian Jones actually had a pretty decent evening I thought but Fernando is someone who I would I would probably wanted to see a little bit more then he played in this game. Uh, actually did not have a single rebound, assist, steal, or block, or turnover. Had one point and one or two from the free throw line in his four minutes. Just not too much going on there with Bruno. I referenced Damian Jones a second ago, but 16 minutes for Damian. One of three from the floor, two of two from the free throw line. He was pretty active, I thought. Played pretty decently. Probably his best minutes, at least some of his best minutes in the Hawks uniform so far. Four rebounds, four points, plus eight. I thought he was pretty okay, um, even as a relatively small sample size and in a very low, low usage role in a lot of ways. Uh, lastly, Vince Carter, 16 minutes. Minutes, 105 from the floor, 03 from three. You know, you know it's bad when Vince can't make a shot either. That's kind of his uh, bread and butter at this point in time. But one rebound, uh, did have a foul and two and two points from Vince. Um, so kind of just a uh, under the radar effort from Carter. But the other three guys who played on the bench were all very very productive. Ty Wallace had his biggest game as a Hawk. You know, in his second game, 12 points. 
Three rebounds, two assists for Ty Wallace. He was plus nine in 19 minutes, six to 10 from the floor, 0 2 from three. The shooting is always going to be a problem with Ty Wallace, but he was active. He was aggressive. I thought he played good defense for the most part, and I think he impressed um, a lot of people. I, I know in my mentions, people were kind of asking about Ty Wallace that hadn't really been dialed in. It was a TNT game, so more, in t- more attention on the Hawks, and I thought Wallace played well and kind of showed up in a way that they actually needed him to do so in this game. And then uh, the last two guys who were prominent on the bench were Jamari Parker. First things first there with 25 minutes, 8 of 13 from the floor, 2 of 6 from 3, 5 of 8 from the free throw line, 23 points to lead the team in scoring, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, and a turnover for Jabari had 4 fouls as well, was a uh, actually dead even in the plus minus. This is a pretty throwback Jabari game. You know, defensively he had some rough moments, but there were some actually pretty encouraging rotations on the back end of the, on the back end in certain periods of time. It was, it was certainly up and down defensively for Jabari, but there was there were enough positives to take some uh, interesting stuff away from that. And then offensively he was just a very very key cog in this game, being aggressive, being efficient, and that's kind of what the Hawks you honestly need him for pretty badly. Without Trey Young, you know, it's not all Jabari Parker, but they could certainly use his punch and he definitely gave that to them in this game. I thought Jabari played very well on the whole and uh, gave them a chance to hang around in, in this game. Lastly, on the bench, uh, DeAndre Bember, who was probably the star of the night, honestly, up and down the roster. 18 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 assists, and 2 steals. So a near triple-double for DeAndre Bember, which is kind of crazy to think about. In 28 minutes, he was 8 of 12 from the floor, 0 of 1 from 3, actually missed 4 free throws. If he had made the free throws that he um, should have made in this game, he would actually got into 20 points. And I thought Bembry, I said this a second ago early on the podcast, I thought early on in the game, the first quarter, he was kind of shaky. Um, that's probably even kind. I think he, was, he had some bad moments in the first quarter. But from that point forward, he was super aggressive, super effective, always plays good defense. Lloyd Pierce anointed him on the in-game interview today with TNT to a national audience as the team's best defender. Um, you know, he's very, very active, very good on the defensive end, on the perimeter. And then offensively in this game, he kind of had it going, finishing around the rim. The jump shot wasn't really there. wasn't really an effort thing there. But still, the rebounds were productive. He actually led the team in rebounding, which is crazy. Led the team in assists as well. And all around, really, really good effort from DeAndre Memory. And, and of course, they needed it in this game, given where they came from. So, shouts to DeAndre for his best game of the season to this point. Uh, to the starting lineup, Alex Lynn, 14 minutes to uh, bring, up the, bring up the rear in terms of minutes and playing time associated with the starters in this game. Five points for Lynn, four rebounds, an assist, and two turnovers, minus nine. He was very, very quiet. I said before, he made his first three. That was basically the only thing that he did of uh, real note in this contest. It's been very, very quiet, very, very shaky. I kind of made fun of it a little bit on Twitter today, but I think Hawks fans have turned on Alex Lynn to a certain degree. I will not tell you that he's played well because he absolutely has not played well so far this season, but um, hopefully he can turn things around and get back to where he was at the end of last season. But so far, Lynn has been a blow, uh, blow where people thought he would be, including myself. So uh, they're going to need more from him in the future, to be sure. Elsewhere in the starting in the starting lineup, Donnery Hunter had his uh, ugliest offensive game as a pro. He was one of nine from the floor, zero of five from three, four points, three rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a block for Hunter. He had three turnovers as well. It's as a reminder, even to myself, that he's still a rookie. Um, you know, offensively, there are going to be nights like this for some guys, but he just didn't have much going on the offensive end at all. He did he did he did play defense, which is always a credit to him. That's why the only reason I like him so much is he's always going to defend. But offensively, it was kind of a mess for DeAndre in this game. He'd probably do for one of those. It's okay. There's no there's no real problem with it, and he's a little bit higher uh, baseline than this previously, but he struggled offensively in this game, and, did, and that, that, that did not help. Um, next on the list is Cam Reddish, who was 2 of 11 from the floor, 1 of 4 from 3, 4 of 4 from the free throw line, did have 9.6 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, and a block. He was good defensively. I've talked about that a lot, but he's been very good defensively throughout. Um, it is worth noting, though, um, Reddish did play some point guard in this game, definitely handled the ball a little bit. 
I think the point guard role was a little bit overstated based on the fact that they basically used four different guys in that role in this contest. Maybe you could maybe get to, get to five if you wanted to, but certainly four guys in that role. But I thought Reddish, you know, had some nice moments, had a couple of nice attacks at the rim, um, got to the line a couple times, which is good. His, his passing vision is definitely uh, on, on full display. But um, worth noting now that through five games, it gets a very small sample size through five games, he is 9 of 43 from the field. Um, that is really rough. He's 1 of 18 from three as well. That is uh, it's kind of speaks for itself in terms of how bad it is. You know, I'm not panicking about Cam Reddish. Don't, don't get me wrong here. But when combined with last season's lack of efficiency, you have to start uh, having a little bit of a red flag about whether he's able to generate efficient looks. There were a couple of really bad shot attempts, some bad settling in this game. His shot selection has not been great to this point in time, which will definitely contribute to his lack of efficiency. But there are lots of positives. I've been talking about how good his defense has been. His passing has been pretty on point as well, with a few exceptions. Uh, but his shot selection, his shot efficiency, all that stuff has a long way to go for Reddish. Um, we'll see how the lineup looks looking ahead. We're going to get to Kevin Herter in a second, but Herter started this game, and I would imagine after a four-day break that Herter will have at least 25 minutes or more looking ahead. It would not surprise me now if they were to, especially if Trey comes back, if they were to go ahead and slide Herter in the lineup and have Reddish come off the bench as he was probably going to be doing pre-Herter injury. That was uh, It was not the plan coming into the season to start Ken Reddish from the, beginning of the, from the beginning of the year. He was not really ready for that. It's a good learning experience for him to be sure, but... You know, if you asked me if Kevin Herter was healthy, I think you asked this to Lloyd Pierce as well. Coming into training camp, if, if Herter had been healthy, it would have been Herter in the lineup and not and not Reddish. So we'll see how, how they handle that looking ahead. You know, Trey's obviously going to start. So it, it basically, if Herter is ready to go, I would imagine they go with him. But Reddish has been definitely hot and cold, but the hot stuff, the defensive end of the floor has been encouraging, and there is enough to hang your hat on where the shooting is not panic worthy just yet, but it's worth noting just how bad it's been because I think it really, um, I think in some circles it's probably been understated how bad it's been so far for Reddish offensively at times. So just want to put that out and I'll come back to that. In fact, um, not, it was not just Reddish in this game. It's a good segue for that because um, combined, Reddish, Herder, and Hunter, the three starting perimeter players in this game for the Hawks, shot six of 29 from the floor. Um, that isn't going to work <laughs> in games that in games and a game that does not have Trey Young. It's just not tenable. I know that you know. Honestly, the Hawks got great production from their bench in this game. In fact, you know, three of their four leading scorers were off their bench and uh, not really scoring. I mean, Parker's obviously a scorer, but Bembry and Wallace not so much. And if not for that, they would have got blown off the floor because of the way that Herder, Reddish, and Hunter play offensively. So tra- transitioning to Herder a little bit. I thought he was probably the most disappointing player in this game for me. Um, you know, not that he was just absolutely terrible, but seven points and four rebounds for Kevin, one assist in 26 minutes, three rebounds from the floor, one of five from three. I was hoping that he would start to settle in a little bit and play in a more prominent role. They needed him in this game. Without, without Troy Young, I think he probably knew that and might have been pressing a little bit, but just kind of passive in a lot of ways for Kevin Herter. That's probably the way he trends. And, you know, I talked about this a lot in the offseason. He just had to get stronger, get more physical. Uh, that was not really on display in this game. You know, Miami does have a lot of length in some ways, but even defensively, Herter had, had, had trouble defensively. I still think his defense is a little bit underrated, um, but for this game, it was a problem. You know, he wasn't staying in front of guys. He wasn't using his, his length to his advantage. I thought offensively he was really passive. You know, the shooting is going to come. That's the one thing I don't worry about with Kevin Herter really at all is his shooting. He's going to make shots. In this game, he was one of, one of five from three, three, three about from the floor. That wasn't great, of course, but just the fact that he, he that he did not go out there and kind of set the tone. I know it was his first start, so maybe there was a little bit of that, and he'll settle in after four days rest. He, you know, he could probably use more rest than anybody on this team right now. Just not really rest, just kind of that that fine tuning, that practice stuff that you don't really get during the season as he ramps up into form and maybe uh, has a higher minutes limit. But I thought Reddish was uh, sorry, Reddish uh, Herder was kind of disappointing in this game. 
just as an overall thing. You know, they, they, they just definitely needed him in this contest, and they, they didn't really get much. And, uh, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on it. I'm not really trying to be a hot take guy because I think I'm, uh, it's pretty well known that I like Kevin Herter, but I thought he was pretty bad in this game. So there you go. Uh, last but not least, John Collins, 4 of 11 from the floor, 2 of 5 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, 12 points, 7 rebounds, an assist, a steal, and 3 blocks. He continues to put up defensive stats, which were not there at all last year. So shouts to John Collins on that. It is worth noting, though, it's a it's a one-game sample, but I think this is, you know, the heat keyed on him defensively. They were trying to stop John Collins. They were able to do so. Not that that was all on John. He was still, you know, reasonably efficient here. 12 points on 11 field goal attempts is not terrible by any means. He did make two threes, but you saw he, he, he didn't have much space to operate with, so the lack of shooting that the Hawks have, which I talked about a lot over the summer, uh, reared its ugly head here. Of course, without Trey, it's even worse, but... Aside from Herter, basically, and you know, and Vince Carter when he's on the game, the Hawks don't have guys that really, really command um, attention at three-point line. They have, they have guys who can shoot it. Obviously, Hunter can shoot, Reddish can shoot, Len can shoot, Parker can shoot. N- not that these guys can't shoot at all, but none of those guys, with the exception of Vince Carter and Kevin Herter, are really respected at, at the three-point line. Of course, Trey Young is on that list as well. He wasn't playing in this game. And you saw that. The floor was cramped for John Collins in this game at times, and I think him operating on that kind of floor makes it tough for him in a lot of ways. So I thought he was okay. It wasn't like he had a standout game or a terrible game. He was he was just okay. But the, te- the, the defensive side of the ball is worth highlighting. I thought I thought John did bring it on that on the end, and they definitely needed it in this game as well. So, you know, he was the third leading scorer in a tie with Ty Wallace. So you might think it was a bad game for John. I wouldn't say that. I just think that uh, he was put in a, a position where it was not optimal for him, and you kind of saw that on full display um, on Thursday night. So I know I've said a lot on this podcast, but uh, there you go. I'm coming to you live from my hotel room, so I'm probably rambling. It is uh, currently 2 a.m. Eastern time as I'm talking to you. So I've, I've been up for quite some time. So just one of those things, and uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed the podcast. As a programming note, no podcast until at least Monday. I'm trying to work on when I'm going to be back in town and all that stuff. If there's something that's in desperate need of me of my attention, some emergency level thing, a trade, something like that, I will try to pop in. But aside from that, it will be no podcast for me until Monday or Tuesday. And of course, the Hawks don't play again until Tuesday when they host the Spurs at State Farm Arena. Hopefully, Trey Young will be back by then. If not, the game will still happen, so we'll still have a podcast. I'll be in the building for that one after missing tonight. So if you missed anything uh, besides my coverage, so hopefully you enjoyed the podcast. If you missed anything written, there will be some stuff on PeacheTroops.com. Zach Cobb is in the building. Graham Chapel wrote a big thing that's going to be going up on Friday morning about the game itself. So check up on all that stuff as well. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell friends as well about the show as we try to grow it during the season. And uh, we'll see everybody at the end of the weekend.